You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You can tell we're not professionals because you can hear one of my dogs in the background. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're, they're a regular feature. A couple episodes ago, my, my daughter decided not to go to sleep. So she made her podcast debut uh, in the background. <laughs> Again, this is all familiar PAPN territory here. I miss it greatly. Uh, it was, I, I, I got to tell you, it was the, the best name for a podcast I could think of. Um, we, was, we struggled for weeks and then it just hit and, and it was like, that was it. That's it. Let's, let's go. And yeah. so I'm never going to have another uh, title that good. It, it was, it was damn good. Um, and then was, when you got this, I was going to say, when you got the cease and desist letter from Paul, uh, you knew you'd hit on something great. <laughs> well, the cease and desist letter from uh, standard and poor, that was when I knew I had made it big. That's that the was, one. <laughs> Like one month into my ESPN employment. <laughs> oh, shit. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a professional version of the Touchline Media Group this week, because we have someone who's actually a professional at this, but we'll get there in a second. This episode is no, brought to you by- Because the, do- the dollar is worth more than the euro. That's we true. Win. Yeah, we did. We do. Uh, England doesn't at use me, the euro. Dan. England doesn't use the euro anymore. We're still behind. Anyways. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, this episode is brought to you by uh, the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Wire decided to put in. I'm your host, Asa, a.k.a. The Twig. You've already heard the uh, dulcet tones of my co-host, uh, Napoleon Gregg, a.k.a. The Stump. We are joined by regular panelist, Ben, who you might know from Halfspaces.com and occasionally getting to fights with people on the internet, as well as the godfather of college football soccer discourse, I like, like that overlap, uh, Bill Connolly of uh, ESPN and uh, I mean, formerly SB nation. That's like where I know you from, but now ESPN. Yeah. I mean, this is all 13 of us that, that like soccer and college football. Like the, a third of us are in this zoom chat right now. <laughs> how much hate, how much hate do you get from college football fans when you start posting soccer stuff? Well, I, I mean, it works both ways. Like I mean, obviously a, a majority of my followers are, are college football, but then people follow me for soccer and then they get just drowned in college football stuff most of the time. So no matter what I tweet, I'm alienating a certain percentage of my Twitter followers. And then the poor people who followed me for tennis and really don't get anything for most of the time. Um, I, I really feel bad for them. I don't think they last very long. Yeah. There's, there's some poor expat in Germany who filed you for your Bundesliga coverage is about to have a horrible fall. I mean, you know, if, if I'm doing my job right, if I'm if I'm you know, tweeting with all my heart, then maybe they'll get into college football too. But it is we'll the see. best comp for uh, European soccer. 
They're they're very very similar. Not our, not, not, there's nothing else that's even close. Yeah. And like, like like I guess like we should start there. Like about how like so specific these two things are to America and and as it turns out Europe. But like the parochialism, the crazy investment in games that nobody outside of the city of Birmingham, whether it's England or Alabama, cares about. Um, like that, that stuff I think is like, that's, that's what drew me to, to European soccer in the, or, or football, whatever, in the first place where it was like, oh, I can care about a team that has no chance of winning a title. Um, and it's okay. Right. Like, like when I asked someone like, who should I be a fan of? I'm a Michigan state fan. And they were like, Tottenham, you're a Tottenham fan now. I was like, great. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> um, this is, this I is always th- just think of. The, the worlds that exist behind these two sports. I mean, other sports too, obviously, but uh, these two in specific, like the number of, you know, just the, the hundreds and yes. hundreds of people that are involved in a Grand Valley State football game or a Rob Weiss Essen third, they're now in the third division in Germany. First time in a while, they've been up in the third division. 27,000 thousand people attend uh, a Rot Weiss Essen a uh, German uh, soccer match and uh, you know, the, the hundreds of people it takes to put on that match, just the the effort it takes and the, the obsession and the love and everything else is, is what always t- ties my, you know, uh, obsession with these sports together because it's just, there's so much and you can never peel the onion back to the point where, you know, all the stories of all the teams and all the, the histories and everything else. And, and, and it's just, there's always something more to learn and that's what's most fun. And and you're right. I mean, there's obviously plenty of sports have plenty of history and obsession and all that, but these two in particular, just the layers involved. Um, you never really, you, you, there's always something more and, and it's a lot of yeah fun. back when fox soccer match pass had the the second bundesliga it was great you turn on a random game there were no announcers yeah. and it'd be set in like some neighborhood that was like full crowds You're like what is going on this is a man yeah kaiser's louder just made it back to the second division I, you know i watched their season opener last friday Forty nine thousand in the stands like more than most of the bundesliga matches that'll that'll start the the top division here in a few weeks just forty nine thousand people in a town of like a hundred thousand just thrilled with being back in this division and and maybe not getting relegated like that's the the entire excitement level this season is maybe we won't have to go back down immediately and it could not be more fun and if that so was the, the Nebraska of the Bundesliga too <laughs> well, I'm trying to think Half. this is like that's a this is some serious like they were good a long 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 time ago even longer ago than Nebraska. Um, but I'm trying to like so so it'd have to be somebody who was elite like in the 30s like Michigan or Minnesota <laughs> yeah. excuse me somebody somebody like that um but I guess Minnesota has been good been army, good relatively recently army please like, Chicago ever come back you Chicago yes <laughs> actually That's uh right. based on SEC pull out of SEC media days Clark Clark Leah I don't even know how to pronounce it I uh, was saying how Vanderbilt would be, you know, the best program Vanderbilt. in football at some point. Tulane. Yeah, Tulane. Tulane right. is the, the last time Vanderbilt was like the best program was like 1915. Uh, I mean, I, I want to live in a world. I want to live in a world where Vanderbilt could become a great football program. I, I, I'm, I'm not real sure. Not but this we'll world. Not this world necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of reasons you don't want to live in this world anymore. I'm just saying I want to live in a world <laughs> where Vanderbilt could be awesome. Well, in college, they don't even have the oil sheets to buy to bail them out. <laughs> uh, Miami. Uh, I'm a Vanderbilt grad, and I would rather live where UConn. I mean, you got look. We can get weird. UConn's fine too. Like I'm. I, I'm I'm all for however however how weird we want to make this. I'm just saying, like Grand Valley State. If we want to make a, a world where Grand Valley State could be amazing, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be good with a a Grand Valley State uh world where where they can they can somehow get access to to Division One, which I, I suppose brings us to like the thing we all talk about that we all desperately want in American <laughs> sports. Um, which you you put, you put forth in a uh, a bid for commissioner, which is uh, promotion relegation, um, back in back in 2017. So uh, I mean, like I, I love those those pieces you put out, like like the the follow ups, like oh where where would we be with promotion relegation? Um, who do you think would have would have benefited most 
from that situation, like where they could have worked their way up. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the one thing about, you know, being an SB Nation at that time is like we could whatever whatever little dream scenario we wanted to craft, like we would write about it. It was fun. And um, I mean, I guess that's really the biggest difference between soccer, uh, European soccer and, and college football, all the similarities, all the regionality and the rivalry and all that stuff. You know, basically, there's at least one extra element of like actual merit involved in European soccer that doesn't really exist in college football. You know, if if merit was a thing, you know, Kansas would be in the in the third division right now. They'd be in the Southland Conference. Um, Wait, so then where and, would Texas be? And, and that would be fair. <laughs> right, Texas. Yeah. I think Texas would still be up, but they'd be they'd be extremely they'd be extremely Crystal Palace yeah. right now. They would not be. Uh, you know, it, 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 you know, they're, they're still, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be getting to Europe. They wouldn't be doing anything like I that. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say no, Everton. I mean, yeah. <laughs> some oh, very, yeah. uh, some tough, some toffee vibes there. Yeah. That's, that's keeps spending a, money. It doesn't do anything. That's not, so, yeah. That's not so a wonderful. Bill, what's your, yeah. uh, what's your story getting into soccer? Like I, I didn't really care for soccer until probably just after college. So I'm, I'm, you know, just, I'm 41 now. So I've been pretty heavy into it for 20 years and, maybe obsessive about it for five or 10, but was it something you grew up with or is it something you've kind of grown into? Well, I'm American. So we invented soccer in 1994. Um, yes. <laughs> Everybody and, knows. Right. Exactly. So it started there. Um, no, I mean, so much of, of what you get into is based on what you can like watch on television. And so it really did kind of start at the international level in 94 and then in like 95 you know my mom and i go to make a like a summer trip to england or whatever and i get i find out that there's a team called nottingham forest that's actually good um and they're named nottingham forest and so you know i buy their shirt and i wear it to like tennis tournaments in high school and stuff like that except it was always just basically like random every two months i'd find out that they were they suck now and then they got then they got relegated i'm like oh i don't even know what that is like they're not even in the premier league anymore and uh, so i mean it was just kind of piecemeal from a club level i knew all the good players and whatnot and then they'd show up in the world cup every four years but then you know, I had a vague understanding of who was good, but then, you know, when the Premier League started showing up on TV live every weekend, you know, whatever that was, 2010-ish, that's when you could actually jump in. And so from a club level, that's when it really started. It's just so hard to follow if you're just looking at Wikipedia pages. You know, I, I like, yeah. you can learn the history and all that stuff. It's just, if you can't watch it and keep up with it in real time, it's hard. And so that's, really where it started and then so i start with sp nation in 2011 i start really quickly i think in 2014 i think i'd written a couple of us pieces here and there but in 2014 i did like a an england road trip kind of piece and saw matches at hillsborough and uh anfield and 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 you know just did a loop around the all the the major areas and saw you know 15 stadiums in about five days or whatever but um, that helped that really kind of got me averse, uh, like just up to, up to speed, so to speak, all the research I did for those pieces. And then in 2015, I spent a week in Munich, um, for a Bayern piece, how, how to Bayern, I think is what it's called. If you look it up on the internet, how, how to Bayern in 12 steps or something <laughs> like that. Um, and it was, it was about how they became, the pre- predominant power that that was back. They had won three in a row at that point. That was a huge <laughs> deal. Three Bundesliga titles in a row. Nobody does that. Um, but they, that kind of, di- I started diving into the German side with that. And so, so that's, I mean, that's kind of what it started. The, the history and the regionality, all that stuff like that, that, that always made a lot of sense to me. But then when I got to ESPN um, and started playing around with the stats we have access to, that's when I started realizing like, now I can make, now I understand like what I, my opinions that do make sense and don't make sense, what I don't know and what I do know and all that other stuff. Like I've always had that number side to me where I need to, I need to be able to back up what I'm thinking. So once I had that, you know, James Tyler at ESPN is an amazing editor. I basically introduced myself and said, Hey, I, I, I've got 78 ideas for stories. Here they are. Let me know what you want me to do first. And that, that was like two, two and a half years ago when our relationship has blossomed since then. Now I'm on the soccer team. They can't get rid of me. Was um, he one of the guys on the podcast that was called ESPN Soccer Net back in the no. day? 
Oh man, you'd have to ask him that. I'm not completely sure. I he, think was, he was. Um, he he had he was. Oh man, now he's gonna hate me because I'm blanking on what their name was. They, he was part of the blog from like the uh, the late aughts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, it used to the ESPN's link to soccer used to be called SoccerNet. Yeah, oh yeah. Their podcast was ESPN SoccerNet. Yeah, I remember listening to him on the way to work in the mornings. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. And you're really trying to show off your like. Middle-aged Dude, hipster soccer fan <laughs> vibes right now. Oh, I haven't heard the name is, James Tyler in forever, dude. This is this is familiar company right here. Um, <laughs> but no, James and I talk uh, like James and I have hit it off, and and so you know he he's been quite the enabler in that regard. Um, and yeah, now I've glommed on, and they're not getting rid of me. So <laughs> so so something that I've found that that I'm like getting pretty interested in about soccer specifically, and and, and especially as it relates to college football and what I love about college football is that like, and it's becoming less and less because USC is no longer a Pac-12 school and Texas is no longer a big 12 school (laughs) and whatever, but like how different leagues have different ways of playing Mm -hmm. and how, you know, like, for example, there's this theory that, uh, you know, Italy plays like this or England plays like that or, and not as national teams, but as, as like leagues. And uh, when I learned that, I was like, oh, there's a big 12 of soccer. There's a, there's yeah. an SEC speed of soccer. Um, so, so I have to do like sort of the cliche thing here, but like, what's your one-to-one, right? Like league two college football conference. Again, I'm going to assume that we're in like, I don't know, 2010 when conferences actually were regional and different as opposed to now where everybody is some version of big 10 or SEC. Yeah, I mean, it's it's way too easy to tie um, Premier League and SEC just because of their own self perceptions <laughs> and the fact for a long time that you know SEC was defense and field position, and we're going to be hard. Even though all these other guys are running circles around us, we're gonna we think it's we're supposed to be hard nosed and rugged above all else, and we're going to do this one thing, and we're not going to win titles for a while. That's kind of that's kind of English too. Uh, the old uh, every day should be Saturday, England or Alabama thing kind of kind of bleeds over into into this world. So, I mean, that that's a really easy comparison to make. Um, and and I would say like the you know, if we're, we're going one to one here, I mean, Big 12 and Germany are, are natural bedfellows, although big the Big 12 suddenly these last few years getting into defense. Um, so kind of screws that up. A <laughs> I know. Like, what what the hell? Like, why are you in it? Why aren't you scoring 56 points anymore? But um no, I mean, that's a pretty easy, just, you know, attacking open, optimistic play um, with with smaller players who might not be, who, who if they were better, would be on Premier League teams. I get that. But that, that that's an easy comparison. And honestly, you know, Big Ten and La Liga are, are, are pretty similar to both from a money standpoint, from a dominant brand standpoint, Ohio State, Michigan. Obviously, it's more than that, but only sort of more than that. It still comes down to Ohio State, Michigan, it seems, whether it should or not. Um, and honestly, just pandering. I know, I know. But also, La Liga was born as hell last year, and, and, and the Big Ten has that problem sometimes too. So, uh, um, I, so, so, so I guess that, I, is- and I feel like I should, I can't. Well, I, I, let me let me let me specify um, because ESPN now houses La Liga, uh, ESPN Plus. You can watch all of La Liga on ESPN Plus, and so I, I need to specify that last year was born as hell. I didn't really enjoy all that much. Rio Vallecano was great. Um, Real Betis was great, but it wasn't the best year and I'm expecting great things. And that's why you need to watch every. I'm sure ESPN is pumped to get the Liga the year that Messi left. I've been watching Messi on streams for so long. I was so excited. Then wait, we're going to France. Yeah, no, that was it. So yeah, he basically, he remained on BN sports, uh, even though uh, the deal changed, he remained there. Yeah. I've never had a package with BN sports. One of my, I had Fubo. I had like the old Fubo package where it used to be like six ninety nine a month. They finally grandfathered that out uh, like a couple months ago. So I don't have that anymore. Fubo is not for the people. <laughs> no, my wife doesn't approve of Fubo. So we've never had it. <laughs> doesn't get the channels and whatnot that she would like <laughs> no, no no it's just it's it's bn and and whatever um you know i i got a lot more liga mx then too i gotta figure out how i'm gonna watch mexican soccer now because yeah, i, I, I can get her into telenovelas or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um so so in 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 terms of the 
that sort of like aspect, like the the styles make fights of the whole thing. Um, and and La Liga being yeah. the most interesting of all of the leagues this upcoming year, get ESPN plus. Not only do you get uh, La Liga games, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get you get Bill Connolly's uh, articles uh, every now and then. Um, That's right. Uh, so so you come for the Bill Connolly like every articles. day currently. Yeah. Um, come for the Bill Connolly article, stay for the La Liga. Um, so, so what, what is right. Um, so in, in terms of the, the, the way that you think that this, this season is going to play out, especially with the the world cup, like in the middle, and we don't need to talk about the nature of having a world cup in December for reasons that are, um, very clear, but also unclear. Um, but like, how do you think that's going to affect various league races? Because like, to me, it feels like the big teams that are going to lose their guys for a month to play 540 minutes in the middle of the year for Brazil are going to be sort of at a disadvantage, especially as Man City sells off half their second team. Well, right. Like Pep Guardiola's obsession with only having like 18 guys available is um, really kind of keeping the race a little more open than it could be, I guess. Now, I I don't know. Like I... I get all the ways that it could obstruct things and really it just depends on who gets hurt and when, like, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Like technically you still have a little break in there afterwards. Like they can ease guys back. I realize the premier league has to have 38 games between Christmas and new year's. And, and that's always going to make things weird. <laughs> they, they, they compromise by getting rid of a little of it, but like, it just it's just a risk more than anything we can't say that it's absolutely going to have this one effect it's just it's they're rolling the dice on on guys getting hurt and when they get hurt and how long they're hurt and all that is going to completely define how we look back on this it's it's it is an extra risk um i i i'm I'm really curious a year from now when we look back at who actually took advantage of having an off season for the first time in their lives uh, so many players have had like a month and a half off now and they're like because soccer never stops like that's not something they're really used to so they have more time off now and then things are going to be more congested later yeah it just depends on uh, how lucky soccer gets as a whole and who gets hurt and um it, they, you know this could be kind of an unscathed situation but it's it's a humongous risk obviously i'm hoping for 2007 that's all I'm hoping for. That's fine. That's fine. Everybody, <laughs> everybody gets hurt and everybody's playing 19 year olds in January. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We have a Bundesliga two team. It ends up as the uh, champions league champions somehow. That's what uh, the NBA I, was. I'm not really time. sure how that, I'm not really sure how that would play out, but that's fine. We can go with it. <laughs> you have to have an entire team basically go down with like some new, let's say a new uh, pandemic, like a, I don't know, a COVID-19, maybe call it COVID-22. I'm just wondering, like, who's going to be the um, the the West Virginia get to like like the the Champions League semifinal and and they have to play a rival and lose thirteen to nine. Fire Leverkusen. Oh God, it's going to be them. <laughs> Leverkusen. It's the twentieth anniversary. Well, it was the twentieth anniversary of, of their two thousand two season where they almost won the treble and still won, and won nothing instead. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm finishing a piece on them right now. Actually, uh, like they're. They're, they are sexy. They're the sexiest team in, in, in the Bundesliga as far as just how they go about attacking, when, when, especially when Veritz is healthy again. They have Florian Veritz. They have Patrick Schick. They have Musa Diaby. They, they, the, the piece I'm writing, the, the technical re- director talked about bringing in, you know, trying to balance things out and bring in a defensive midfielder. The only move they've really made this offseason is another attacker, which is just <laughs> great. It's fantastic. How are and so, still there? Why hasn't somebody offered like way too I, much money for that guy? I think that the main reason is because they made the Champions League this year. And so they basically, oh. because they made the Champions League, they can keep all the, well, and because Virus is hurt. Like that's going to somehow benefit them too. But basically they were able to keep the core together one more year because uh, they they have Champions League ball to sell and, you know, Newcastle can't sell that yet. So they, they you know, that's still a problem. <laughs> and so, um, but, but no, they're going to be super fun. Just uh, probably more fun than normal. We're kind of used to this from them uh, to a certain degree. They're always top half of the table. Uh, they're always just glitchy enough to not really keep things together, but I'm really excited about them. Right. That was, like, that, that's that's an extremely West Virginia team right there uh, <laughs> to almost okay. make absolute magic and then and then really not make any. 
Yeah, all gas, no brakes. That's pretty much the Rich I mean, Rodriguez West Virginia teams. Exactly. I'm I'm all I'm all in on Leverkusen. Not because I think they're going to do amazing things. Well, no, they are going to do amazing things. It's just that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win. Also, on one half of the score sheet. <laughs> I'm going to see like six goals a game conceded and seven goals a game scored. It's like, yeah, but that's still the one goal differential that still wins. That's right. No, I'm, 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 I'm could not be more excited about uh, watching Leverkusen this year. Uh, so Plus for a team like that, which like, like top half of one of the better leagues, like mm-hmm. when you make champions league, if you have a chance, this is your budget for the next five years. You need to cash it as much as you can. <laughs> I, I actually like while we're talking German teams, I Frankfurt just got like a lifeline out of freaking nowhere. Um, and so now they're in this huge, they have spending potential and now they have Champions League money uh, because they won the greatest Euros of all, uh, Europa League of all time. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm really curious if they can actually, I, I'm sure they won't. Like it's, it's really hard to make a leap based on one year of Champions League money, but they have like a sudden opportunity to do really fun things. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see what they do here. And yeah, work out for Schalke. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh. I, I cannot, my, my screensaver is, or not my, not my screensaver, my background on my, on my, uh, desktop right now is Schalke getting to watch them uh, i was there for their promotion match second to last game of last season oh, you suck um oh, yeah. I, I suck big time it was amazing um <laughs> and and you know the they came back and and i thought that like i was tweeting out about how the roof was closed and it was so loud turned out the roof wasn't closed <laughs> it was just that loud like i couldn't i couldn't really see because the press section is at the back but they, it was so loud and just the most fun i've ever had like I, I got used to after their second goal, I got used to closing the laptop because of the beer showers that came <laughs> after they scored. Um, but that was just so much freaking fun. Good, God bless Schalke. I've never had an opinion of Schalke either way, and now I love them greatly. So, so which you, one? Which one would you think is a bigger like excitement level? Either like second Bundesliga getting promoted to first Bundesliga, or Alabama winning another SEC championship? Which team? <laughs> which team oh. gets into it more? Uh, just the SEC will figure. I mean, that's, yes, that's exactly. It's, it's absolutely Schalke. And if those are the if those are the two choices, it's absolutely Schalke. So I just read your uh, Dortmund piece, which I really liked, by the way. But I think in it you mentioned you're something of a, a soccer atheist, and what I mean by that is like you don't have a team, which is the same way I am. I'm, if there's if there's an if there's not an American playing, mm. I don't really have a rooting interest. I'm just like, just play well. Give me something fun to watch. Right. Is that, is that how you are as well? Or do you actually have a a team you support? I I mean, I'm basically an atheist because I chose terrible teams. I chose Nottingham Forest, like I said, in 1995, (laughs) which, you know, didn't pay off for 27 straight years. They're back though. They're back. They're back, back and they've actually made, Clough highlights, though. That's they've always fun. made really fun moves in the offseason here, too. And I, I don't know how to how to handle that at all. But the other team I really became emotionally attached with because I love hapless underdogs is when I went to England for that thing in, in 2014 and we went to Hillsborough. You know, I'm looking around and walking around Sheffield and like, man, I could I could totally be a Sheffield Wednesday fan. This feels normal to me. Um, and, and it has felt extremely normal following that team as they almost got promoted twice and didn't. Then they suddenly got relegated because their owner was terrible. Um, like that, that all feels pretty normal and acceptable to me. So that's those are technically the two teams I probably have the biggest emotional attachment to. And then the third team is basically all of Germany. So either way, <laughs> I win there one way or the other, I guess. And I like I just love, talking- I love the Bundesliga. I just, uh, I, I can't, I, I have trouble getting over Bayern winning it, the league yeah. every freaking year. Like it's the, my favorite soccer to watch, but like, it just feels ah, pointless. Well, it, And it does very clearly reveal kind of what you're looking for because, you know, the champions league race is usually awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, if Leverkusen gets their act together and it's Dortmund, Leverkusen, Leipzig more often than not, then that's kind of a different situation, but there's always an, an on Berlin, um, somebody like anybody can finish right. basically. And so there's always a fun underdog tale. There's always that kind of stuff. The relegation race is always ridiculous because the bar is a little higher. And so you've always got that. But yeah, I mean, we've had in the last 10 years, that one year what was at night, 18 or 19, where Dortmund really probably should have won it and didn't. That one was really close. And otherwise, yeah, I mean, you're basically, and, and it's funny because German fans are fine with it. Like, well, I mean, they're not fine with it, I guess, but they basically won't trade the things they have 
for a more competitive league. They know they have it good from a pricing standpoint and, and it really is like, you know, the, got to what got to four matches over about nine days in, in May. Like they know what they have. They know it's just the best possible experience. And, and while they, while everybody wants to win and, and take down Byron, they don't want to give that up. And so uh, they don't want to change the system for it. So that really is the trade-off right there. You're, you're going to get Byron the title and everything else is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Like that's you know, that's sort of fine, right? Like like we we've made a decision here that like I guess we'll have fun entertaining football and um we're not gonna really address the fact that Oklahoma wins every year. I mean Bayern right. wins every year. <laughs> right. I mean the Big Twelve in the future, obviously they're not gonna have a Bayern, uh, but they are gonna be in a situation where we're gonna just brawl with each other. Every single game's gonna be decided by three to seven points. It's gonna be amazing. And then, you know, in, in some future world where we have an expanded playoffs, our champion's going to get pummeled in like the quarterfinals. Uh, but that's fine because we're going to have a lot of fun getting there. And, you know, at this point, like if you're an Alabama fan, great Georgia fan, like a fan of a certain number of schools, then, then that's fine. But otherwise, we're just trying to have fun. And, and the Big 12, I could not be more excited about the future Big 12 because it's going to be an absolute just wonderful mess. Um, I, I think that, that Matt Campbell... Maybe you fans down in Waco have a problem with what Bill just said. <laughs> uh, sorry, Baylor. Um, you know, it is what it is. We're only, sa- we're only shouting out Baylor because we have a former DB on staff. Staff. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> Whatever well, we have. They're going to be one of many teams that has great potential to win the Big 12 every year, and, and somebody different's going to win it every year, I think. Yeah. So Which... Has the gap between Bayern and everybody just gotten bigger? Or are we just like prisoner of the moment? Just um, the way it is now feels like how it's always going to be. Yeah, like like basically half the reason why they've won 10 in a row, which is still a hilarious number to say, half the reason is because they're really, they're just good. They like they they make the fewest bad signings. They know how to maximize their revenue potential. Um, they do all the mercenary things, but they always just, they also just do good soccer things. And so they deserve a lot of the credit for why they're number one. The other part of though is, you know, I wrote about this a a few weeks ago, I guess, just the, the, the whole approach of 50 plus one, whether it's really 50 plus one that causes this or not, um, it's kind of up for debate, but basically like the, the, the stringent financial standards that you have to maintain to be in the Bundesliga I and mean, get a license to play in the Bundesliga means like if you make stupid decisions and you lose money for it, there's no, you can't save yourself. You can't go into debt to, to buy a bunch of new players and save yourself. You're going to go down to the second division. That's why Schalke was down there and Bremen was down there and Hamburg has been down there for a while. Like basically if you're well-run, you have the world's your oyster. You can finish anywhere between second and 18th in the Bundesliga. <laughs> but if you're not well-run, you're going to drop really quickly behind a bunch of teams that are. And, and so that's, it's admirable and it's awesome. And if everybody in your did it i think european soccer would be better for it but because only germany does it or kind of la liga now with their their (laughs) salary cap um it it just means that that bayern just kind of has it solved right now and you say of course uh kind of so how much liga how long how kind of for la liga because of course barcelona yeah i mean real madrid and barcelona yeah, like Real Madrid still has so much revenue and so much spending potential. Barcelona still has, you know, the worst worst season in their history, like disaster financially. They finished second. Um, you know, that obviously they're that's still really imbalanced as well, but they are trying from a from a from a general spending standpoint to to keep things under control to a some to some degree. Yeah, I actually just read um the Barcelona complex or something by Simon Cooper. Yep. And that was it, good. It was- yeah, it was surprising to me in there how Barcelona was not that big a club until, you know, whatever it was, the 90s. I think it, compared, at least they're not, right. they weren't what they are now because I, I started following soccer in the early aughts. So to me, they were always the super club, but it, it's right. kind of interesting to to realize that, you know, it's Barcelona as a relatively new super team. Right. They were always, they always had ambition. They were always had a big fan base. They always things but yeah they didn't they didn't win win consistently until the aughts yeah or 90s i guess well it's kind of hard to win when the you know the royal family of your country doesn't necessarily want you to be the one to win 
That's always like I've read like a lot of the history stuff is always funny. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Franco preferred Real Madrid, but he didn't really interfere. But you know, it was clear that he wanted to. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's the, his, uh, you know, and, and and the history is only so precise from that period as well. So really, there's just a lot of whatever you want to see from that period is what you're going to see. So, well, you know, what do you, you know? What our, go ahead, Greg. <laughs> I was say, you know what our listeners want to see, or rather hear? This ad. That, that was not worth interrupting Ben for. Ben, go ahead. <laughs> um, so what's your take on uh, the Americans at Leeds these days? How is, how, what do you think of the Marsh, Adams, uh, Aronson, Triumvirate? How's this going to work out? I, I mean, it's funny when you get what you want, and then you get really nervous about it. I mean, that's kind of where we're at as as American soccer fans right now, right? Like suddenly, you know, it was just a big deal when anybody played, you know, Landon Donovan plays for five minutes at Bayern or whatever. Like we, you get in a, a, an opportunity at, at, at these big clubs, it's a huge deal. And now, you know, Americans are getting all the opportunities they want. What are they, what are they going to do with it? I don't know. Like Tyler Adams, I really like. I don't know why he didn't fit into Tedesco's plans really at RB Leipzig. That clearly was the issue um, where Tedesco just decided, I want to do this instead. And that's, that's fine. They let him go and the, the price was pretty affordable and Leeds snatched him up. But like, I guess the thing about the premier league is uh, like, it is so diverse. The number of things you have to be good at um, because the, the number of different teams that are good at something right now. Um, and We'll see. I mean, Aaron, I've been doubting Aronson for like four years now, and he's been consistently proving me wrong. So, I mean, I guess it's good to, that I just, I'm just going to keep doubting him. But, um, you know, having him at this stage now, having um, Adam to the stage, you know, uh, Union Berlin loses out of Yimmy and uh, goes and gets an American, PFOC, to replace him. Like everywhere you look, suddenly yeah. there are these guys who are getting massive opportunities and, and, um, that is unquestionably a good thing, but you know, <laughs> they still have to live up to it now. So well, Brendan Aronson is like the anti Brian Reynolds, like Brian Reynolds makes a movie. You're like, what are you doing, dude? And yeah. like everything Brendan Aronson has done has been like, okay, you made it an MLS, go to RB Leipzig. He's just gone from team to team where he fits perfectly. Yeah, so no, I think I'm- if going to make it somewhere oh, yeah. I mean, it seems like there's a no really question good that, you know, Adams and Aronson both are in perfect stylistic fits for what they want to do. And so if it's going to work, it, it's going to work, but yeah, it's just, it's, it is really hard in the premier league and, and somebody that was, last year was the first year where I really, I've made this joke about the SDC a lot where, you know, like, Oh, they're finally as good as they've always said they've been with the <laughs> premier league. It really felt like that last year when you're realizing that either a team with a lot of money or a team that until very recently had a very good plan you know, Leeds, Everton, even uh, Burnley, really like somebody with 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 a lot going for them is going to go down. And 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 um, I think I don't remember when I wrote about that, but I wrote about that with a few months left. Months left. That was really the kind of that that was kind of jarring to me. And I think the Premier League really is at that stage now where um, there's just not a lot of dead weight left, and somebody somebody who deserves to stay up probably isn't going to stay up. Do you, have a, do you have a prediction who's going to be? No, not at all. No, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I have come to accept, you know, the, the the gravity of, you know, even when you do really well for a couple of years, like it's going to pull you're, you're going to get pulled back to earth. That was kind of what happened to Leeds there. Right. They they you know got hot late the year before. It was like, wow, this is they could be they could be real now, but they didn't have the depth and it got exposed um and, and really could have cost them but i don't know like i i, I assumed forest you know as as much as you know my beloved forest um you know the way the, the number of loanees that they had on their squad last year um it was very disconcerting like i hope you get promoted just so you can feel that promotion and city ground can hold premier league matches again but oh my god you're like you're losing all your good players i've really liked the moves they've made this off season but that's going to be tough Fulham, I'm still not convinced by at all. Um, you know, Fulham and Norwich are both just on that kind of like we're just good enough for this and not good enough for anything else kind of path. So I, I would assume those two teams are both in danger, but otherwise, I don't know. Maybe, you know, if there's a dark horse, I'd say maybe Palace is in trouble. Um, 
just because they were maybe a little too good last year, but they were also kind of unlucky yeah. statistically. So maybe they weren't good enough. Like they're, they're kind of hard to figure out. Why did, uh, why did Samba want out from Nottingham? <laughs> I, I don't know. Cause he like, he was a hero after the, after saving those penalties. Like that was kind of a weird, maybe he just wanted to go back home. Like isn't he from France or I think so. I think so. Like, so maybe, that was it. Cause that, otherwise that was a really strange situation that I never heard a, uh, an answer for. Cause he was like, that was the most dominant I'm going to get in your head and, and I'm going to destroy you kind of penalty situation you're ever going to see. And um, it, it, it was downright heroic. And it's like, yeah, I'm done. I, I want to go back home. Yeah, it's weird. So you're talking about like the parody approaching in the, in, in the premier league, just because of like either teams, let's say a Newcastle gets a new owner who's willing to dump a bunch of money in yeah. or, or somebody has like a really good plan. Like um, was it Brentford last year? The one that, that got back up because of the guys gambling. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, yeah. So like they had, Matthew, uh, yeah. Benford or Savannah. they had like a good, they had like a good, that's it. So they had a good like plan coming back up. Do you think we we're approaching the point where maybe even the top, I mean, dear leaders of Spurs fans. So let's just say top six to be nice. Are, needs to start worrying about make, maybe getting a little bit closer to the bond than I think they would outside of obviously like catastrophic injuries or financial fair play misgivings or tax evasion <laughs> or whatever they can think yeah. of. Right. I, I would be, I would be more convinced that the big six had to worry if they didn't have, if a, they didn't have really good off seasons <laughs> like Spurs and Arsenal both had really good off seasons, I think. And, yeah. And that's going to take some drama. United. I don't know. It might take United a little bit. I love, I like the hire. I like Ten Hag and I like that. He's basically, you know, pulling a, uh, a very college football transfer portal thing and basically saying, you've hired me. Now I want all my guys from the last team to come with me. Um, and, and we'll see exactly how that goes culturally, but kind of feels like at least five of the big six are, are particularly good in particularly good shape right now. Jay Norvell at Colorado state taking 38 of his Nevada players. Um, <laughs> But no, like I, I think they're in good shape. I, but you know, also I would feel a little more confident about upstarts and parity and whatnot if if more if more teams had broken through last year. Like Villa, I thought had a pretty good plan and finished like fourteen. Yeah. Um, Southampton, I thought had the you know good player like uh, two or three p- players who are particularly good at two or three things and finished like fifteenth. Um, like I, I'm curious about Brentford if they have the depth to to do again what they did last year. I'm curious about Palace, but I do figure if if there was a if there was upstart potential, maybe some of those teams would have done a little better. So I do think we're probably this is probably not going to be the best year for upstarts. Leicester should improve. Um, they they dealt with a lot last year, and and uh, they're probably due for a little bit of a rebound. But I wonder. So American sports that try to achieve parity with. Uh, the salary cap. I, I kind of feel like the Premier League has gone the other way. Um, there's just so much money that it's almost like there's a the salary doesn't matter because the one league can just buy all the best players. But I'm wondering if at this point the lack of parity is there's only so many elite coaches. Yeah. And that seem that maybe that's the tipping point. Like there's only, you know, there's what five of those guys in the world. And if you have one of them, maybe the quality of players i don't know yeah i mean that's an interesting thought i mean there's no question the premier league like forest gets promoted and really is going to be one of the the favorites to go back down but adayemi gives up europa league play to go play for them um that was a pretty telling thing about the the spending power of the premier league right now and and yeah, I mean, it really does. A lot, like coaching aside, it really does offer all these clubs a chance to. Ha- they, they have the money to execute a plan, um, and you know, maybe maybe this is proof that you know, like you have to have a plan to be up. And if you don't have a very good coach, you're just not going to last very long. But yeah, like Wolves kind of have a plan. Brighton has a plan. Well, we're, we'll talk about New- Newcastle, but Villa has sort of a plan. Southampton has a plan, and they're all going to be fighting for like eighth place. Right. So, oh. Um, it, it is kind of think, interesting, uh, right? Now. Do you think prolif- proliferation of talent might be something to do with it too? Like, there's more, now more talented players at all levels in order to fill out these rosters. Like Americans, we have what right. double of what we had in the Premier League a decade ago, and you're 
have we seen an Indian Premier League player yet? Like, there's so many parts of this globe that are still really developing their love for soccer and are finally starting to get it. Like you mentioned, through being able to see it on TV week in, week out, that you don't, you know, we don't know where all of this talent's going to come from over the next decade or two decades. So that's, that's the Gianni Infantino vision, right? We're going to keep, uh, <laughs> we're just, we're, we're, we're spreading the love of this sport to make the world a better place. And, and we're going to uncover every single great player in the world. No, but I mean, you're right. Like America, there's, I, I, there's no question. It's a deeper soccer world than it used to be. And and in a way that's kind of, that's cool because I mean, yeah, like Manchester city, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern, like we, we know who are going to be the top teams, but there, I, I do think there's a lot of room to rise for just teams that have a really good eye and a really good plan. And, um, I don't really know what that means right now. And especially with both sports we're talking about here, soccer and college football, we're kind of in a period where like the innovation, the big explosion of innovation and, and the way we think about attacking or offensive uh, football or soccer, or other football or whatever. Um, we're kind of in a spot where that's happened. And now we're kind of in an adjustment period and I don't really know what happens next, but no, I mean, I, I think it's easier now to find the talent for the style you want to execute. And, you know, if, if the world were a fair place, that's all we would really need to have a lot of really fun competitions. Yeah. Can, and uh, can we talk, can we talk Greg Berhalter for a minute? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm not one of the crazy Berhalter outs. Don't worry. Um, what's so, <laughs> this week, this no, week no, no, is no. not. I've been, I've been pretty calm. You need to ignore me. You need to ignore my Twitter account during the game. Like during the game, I can't. Oh, you, <laughs> National team Twitter is the most negative, just the most, <laughs> like it brings out the worst in absolutely everybody. I finally had to just kind of stop being on Twitter, but go ahead. Uh, national, so, wait, uh, national team Twitter or Noel's Twitter? Uh, <laughs> national team Twitter is technically bigger, I guess, but um, yeah, it's bad. Well, no, people are just crazy. But anyway, um, so I've been campaigning for a while for an offensive coordinator for Burhalter because he, he has a lot of stuff going for him. He he's, seems to be great defensively. The, the guys love him. They play hard. Yeah. And I mean, people don't talk about this enough, but he seems like a really decent, good human being, which yeah. like, in my opinion, matters. So I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm just, where are you at with all that? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a good I, question. I'm sure there's, there's the nerd side, the, the things that, that uh, I, and I say this as a nerd, like the, the, there's the things that the nerds want to talk about. And, and he kind of flunks a lot of those things. Um, you know, whether it's the style, whether it's the fact that, you know, he instilled the fear of getting CONCACAF in all of his players to the point where they did that, like they completely changed everything they were doing on the road um and and really kind of played away from their strengths and got a lot of crappy uh road results during qualification and, and his his some of his selections have driven me crazy uh he kind of forgets that the bundesliga exists from time to time all that stuff drives me crazy but he's clearly awesome at the man management side of things he's clearly a good representative of the pro- like he's he's a good dude obviously and yeah when you're you know, that's, you want somebody to be good at all of those things, but if you can choose, if it's half and half, you'd kind of almost prefer that to the other half of a guy who is, is really good at selecting players and has a fun style, but is also a terrible human being um, and, and creates a toxic culture. So yeah, like that's, that's, that's where I'm at. He is not everything I want, uh, but he clearly has some things to offer. And I would assume that in a situation where you're kind of going to be the underdog going to the world cup, like an underdog that could win, not like an extreme underdog, but a situation where you're not going to be, you you don't have to worry about winning at Panama. You got to figure out your absolute best approach for, um, I, I almost got confused between Wales and Scotland for Wales and England and Iran, who's going to be a giant pain in the butt. Um, you know, I, I, I think he can handle that situation. All right. Like, I don't know if the U S is going to advance for sure, but I would assume he's going to be, they're going to perform at an above average level at the very least. So for any of our listeners that want to complain about the Scotland, Wales mix up, you can reach bill at E E D B S on Twitter. That's so, right. Uh, EDSBS, EDSBS. 
I'm sorry, I forgot one. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Spencer, Nick Saban had an interview at SEC Media today, <laughs> today where he was talking about the. Uh, was that too ham-fisted? Did I punch that through too hard? Uh, where you Every second like, is good. Concept- you just have to commit to it. Just go with it. <laughs> Saban was talking about the concept of like RPI in college basketball, which uh, most of us here as big nerds are obviously a big fan of your system. So I think that's obviously the closest analog. But RPI you know, takes into account the, the various strength of schedules and the records against those schedules. How do you think – something like that might be able to, you know, kind of parlay into college football, given you have 12 games to make your case, not 36 or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. I, I've always thought that if I could um, just have a kind of a, like a off camera, off mic, sit down with Saban, I would have a lot of fun with it. Cause like his best moments where he's just like, t- he's, he's, you can tell he's just sharing his own opinions, not the opinion of the official representative of Alabama football, but um, yeah. no, I mean, First of all, it, it, it is kind of funny to think back to the BCS. And, um, you know, my line about the BCS was always that everybody hated it because it couldn't figure out how to get more than two teams on the field for the for, at the same time for the for the finals. Like it wasn't necessarily the method like the method was, you know, whatever it wasn't. A, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad. But in the end, we hated it because we wanted more than two teams involved. And, um, and and so the idea of a formula, I know, you know, we've got our, we've got committee. It's, it's got people who know football very well. That's, that's fine. But Saban's idea of of trying to get some sort of formula that can, can quote unquote, objectively look at the, at the world of college football. I mean, I think it could absolutely be done. the the strength of record number that ESPN's um, stats and info group puts out is good. My my stab at it has been not not SP plus, which is meant to be kind of a predictor, but the resume SP plus, where you you know basically look at the team schedule and basically say like a, a top five team would have averaged a scoring margin of this against these teams, and then you compare what you've done to that and the teams that have overachieved the most rank really high. Um, you know you do that, you adjust for losses here and there, and you you come up with a pretty good you know pretty good approximation i think it could absolutely be done and i think the idea of of a formula of sorts i don't know like in the end as if we have a four-team playoff in the end it's probably going to pick the same four teams but as we look forward into a universe where we're probably expanding to eight or 12 or whatever it could make a pretty big difference well, that's, the biggest yeah, thing. that's the biggest thing college football has well not the biggest one of the biggest things college football has going for it is that every game matters so much, right. but like back in the BCS day, like when you lost a game, you kind of felt like, well, whatever, we're done. Like maybe you could afford one, but once you got to two, like, okay, what's the point? Maybe I can go to a good bowl and have, you know, whatever. Like once you get to eight or 12, then I feel like the season still matters, but mm-hmm. one or two losses doesn't doom you. Right. Like you, it just changes the number of mulligans you hand out basically. Um, Cause like we're even in the BCS era, you could lose and maybe still get back in there. It just had to be in the right year. And if yeah. nobody else went 13 and oh, then maybe you lose had early. a chance. <laughs> You're right. Like, yeah, lose early. Um, and, and now we give out a few more, not, not a ton, but now four teams get in. So a few more mulligans, like, what was it? Like, I mean, Cincinnati was unbeaten last year. The other three teams had one loss. Yeah. Um, you get down to 12, which I still think is the number where that's probably most likely for the future. Although now that Greg Sankey is in like total vengeful mode, that could all change, I guess. But I, I figure if like if we get to 12, then occasionally a three-loss team is going to get in. They're probably not going to win, but a three-loss team could get in here and there. And and basically it will assure that if you're a one-loss team, you're a one-loss power conference team, whatever power conferences are five years from now, like you're in, like you're absolutely in two loss and you're probably in maybe going to be in like NC state probably wouldn't have quite made it last year with two losses, but they would have come close. Um, but and can you imagine, can you imagine how good the brackets are going to be for a 12? It's not going to be this, uh, not going to be 64, but Oh, it's going to be so good. No, like I, I, I used my resume when Saban put that, uh, when Saban said that earlier, I, I tweeted out basically like using my kind of my loss adjusted resume SP plus thing that I came up with and that I've been tracking things the last few years. Like the playoff, the 12 team playoff bracket last year would have been Ole Miss at Oklahoma State, which would have been yes. amazing with the winner facing Alabama. I assume now, I, I assume this, we're, we're all talking about the quarterfinals in bowls, which is not perfect. 
but it's, it, I mean, that, that would be the compromise, but you'd have Ole Miss at Oklahoma state. Um, then you'd have number 12, Oklahoma at Georgia, which would be fun. The winner facing Pitt, And that would have been, um, cause you know, the four, top four teams have to be conference champions. So you'd have Pitt in there as the number four seed, which would have been ph- phenomenal, especially if Georgia had to go to Heinz field in the, in the quarterfinals <laughs> or whatever it is now. Uh, it's still Heinz field, I guess. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> You Spiritually, have, it yeah, always will be. Exactly. Uh, you can't get rid of the catch-up. And then you'd have 11 Utah at 6 Ohio State, which we know would have been a good game because it was a good game, uh, with the winner facing Cincinnati, which, again, if it was home and home, it would have been Nippert Stadium hosting Ohio State. That would have been amazing. And then you'd have Baylor at Notre Dame, which would have been good, with the winner facing Michigan, which would have been awesome. So, like, even if we end up in a situation here where it's still Georgia versus Alabama in the finals, though, actually, no, in this scenario, they would have played in the semis. So it would have been like Ohio state versus Cincinnati, Notre Dame versus Michigan. One of those four facing Georgia, I guess, in the finals, like Georgia's probably going to win that, but it would have been, the journey would have been amazing. And the fact that like the PAC 12 and the, and other conferences voted against their short and long term interest here because they were mad at the sec which of course has apparently made greg sankey vengeful that's yeah. this is not great this is not great nothing that has happened in that regard has been good for for the long-term college football and it's so funny for a t for a, a sport or organization that seemed to care only about money to turn down that much money can you imagine the ratings and the ticket sale? i don't even like and people betting on the bracket I mean, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, no, I, I know, and I, I know part of it is also just that, um, you know, and it's always weird talking about this. I am ESPN, but like, I know that they wanted to, you know, if you can wait till 2026 and you can bet out certain games to ESPN, bet out certain games to Fox, all these things, you can make more money in the end. I understand that that's how it works. Um, but the way it all played out. It, it wasn't like, hey, let's just wait until then. It was like, no, screw you, SEC. And, and therefore, and now we got vengeful Sankey to deal with. <laughs> so how much of the new landscape do you just think is Bishop Sankey and uh, Kevin Warren being petty and trying to get back at everybody for not giving them the 12 team? <laughs> Well, really, as long as they don't join forces, that's that's the that's the vision of of where this this could go. That I don't really like is the whole forty team college football super league, whatever, where the Big Ten and SEC join forces. Like that's the one I want to avoid. And um, and so as long as the Big Ten and SEC are competing against each other, and they don't just decide, you know, let's just make all the money. It's let's we could just do that. As long as they don't decide that, then then I'm fine with them going against each other. I do think the most interesting thing to watch moving forward. Um, and I've tr- I, I wrote well, I guess I just made a couple tweets or whatever. But you know, we we automatically go down this road after a big move happens, and apparently it's going to happen every July now. Um, <laughs> we go down this road where you know we, the domino effect the big Ten's going to get them and then the sec is going to get these schools and they're going to be both at 20 or 24 but i think the thing we have to keep in mind about how and when this all happens is like per school or like in, in the big 10 who can they add that would increase their revenue per school not like the overall number like there's a lot of schools that could add a good amount to that number but now like the bar gets raised every single time like USC and UCLA barely added, like increased the per school right. revenue probably that they were going to make, but are Oregon and Washington going to do that? We know Notre Dame would, but you know, yeah. other than Notre Dame, there's Clemson, Florida state, Miami in the ACC that, that could. North Carolina, there's I've heard. Yeah. Like there's Oregon and Washington that might, uh, Notre Dame absolutely would. But after that, you're just, yeah. You're just collecting good programs and and you're decreasing the amount you make. Like there are a lot of schools that the SEC could add that would be good, but like Tennessee's gonna make less per year every time you add Virginia Tech or or somebody like that. It has to be a big brand for them to continue making more. You gotta kick schools out, and I don't think they're gonna do that. So uh, well, as, as a Missouri fan, I'm very, you know, I gotta, I gotta walk cautiously on that one, but I think that's an option because among other things, among other things, it would, to, to kick a school out, a bunch of school, other schools in that conference would have to vote for it, knowing right. that they next. 
Yeah, so Vanderbilt's not Vanderbilt's not going to vote yes on Missouri because they know who's going to be the next one out. Right, and 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 Missouri is not going to vote on Vanderbilt or whoever, right? And so I think um, I don't know where that bar is. If it has to be majority or unanimous or whatever, probably unanimous. Right, super majority. Right, it's not going to happen because a lot of other schools are going to realize, like, yeah, we would absolutely be on the chopping block in the future. We're not going to do that. Vanderbilt's president's just sitting in the meeting, not moving, just like if they can't right. see me, they can't vote me out. So hey, that- you need our baseball. You need our baseball. <laughs> and women's bowling yeah right, right. sure uh back to the like the crossover aspect here a little bit like where i mean i don't know if you know exactly where um are like advanced stats in european soccer football compared to american sports are, are, are they relatively equal at this point i mean i feel like soccer is a little bit harder because it's such a, a flowing sport mm-hmm. compared to you know the stop start nature of you know b- baseball especially or whatever yeah i think at this point there's probably been more spending in soccer than than football i guess so maybe it's further ahead i mean you're right it's it's harder in general um and you end up with a lot of measures like chances which kind of means something and i use it from time to time but also it's only going to be so far just because that guy took a shot after you passed him it doesn't mean it was a good shot and all that but yeah i i do feel like the the adoption of advanced stats um at this in european soccer has been pretty comprehensive pretty quickly and while we're absolutely in football making headway from like a from like a fourth down decision making perspective um, that's absolutely improved. You can see the numbers that it, to to tell when that has improved. A lot of the other stuff maybe isn't quite as far. I, I mean, I think they're both increasing. You know, it's both been a pretty dramatic improvement over the last five six years. But I do think maybe soccer's ahead. I don't know. Like, I, and the other part is so many of these. You know, cl- on both sides, football, pro football, soccer, etc. Like, they're they're so closed you know there's there's there are many black boxes and so we don't necessarily completely know what teams are doing uh or what you know what they could be sharing if they were more open about it and and so it's hard to tell for sure but yeah it it might be a case where soccer's inched ahead doesn't liverpool have like a secret theory of everything kind of player yeah 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 it works pretty well apparently i need to see that but that 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 form yeah if you walk in the basement it's just the wind it's everything covered in the marker from uh beautiful mind uh, I, Bill, we can obviously keep talking to you all evening, but we don't, don't want to take up any more of your time. Do you have anything, uh, anything else you want to plug before we uh, log off for this one? <laughs> well, I just finished my, my college football preview series, which means I get to like, I have a month and a half now to finish everything else that I had intended to do. Um, on the soccer side, you're going to get a Bayer Leverkusen piece soon. You're going to get a Frankfurt piece. You're going to get an RB, Le- well, maybe Leipzig, but you're going to get, you're absolutely going to get an Union Berlin piece because I've, among the many other things that I fell in love with in Germany, I fell in love with Union Berlin. Um, got accidentally drunk after their last match of the season, just hanging out in the parking lot afterwards. And like that was a blast. But so there's plenty of more German soccer stuff. But then on the football side, you know, we are in preview mode still. Um, you have some really some some fun general ideas. I got a couple more pieces from schools I wrote I visited in the spring that I have a month and a half to finish. But I mean, I think the bottom line is there's a uh, fire hose of content coming your way over the next month and a half. Very cool. Becoming a fan of a team because you accidentally got drunk in the parking lot after the game is college football as hell. Oh my God. I don't think there's. (laughs) It was so great because, like, you know, it it was the last match day and it was a lot of fun. You know, Union scores with like two minutes left to to clinch fifth place, their best finished ever. It was great. We were all watching a laptop with like Stuttgart saving itself and all the things going on on like the um the red zone type feed it was a a blast but then we heard that you know the team was gonna come out to the front of the stadium up in the balcony and the fans were gonna celebrate because they finished fifth and it was amazing so we just started hanging out and there's a berliner berliner truck right over there like all right well we got some time let's have one well we got a little more time let's have another hey like this the guy i'm hanging out with his friends just showed up so i'll go get another round and like four hours later like this is not how that was supposed to go at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh i but it, it it leaves the mark it leaves uh you, you end up very very fond of a place where that happened hey l- last thing before you go did you guys did you know you have a usmnt cap 
Oh yeah, from like 1952 or something like that. Yes, you played against yes. England in 19. Yeah, I, and I pitched. I pitched for the San Francisco Giants for like two <laughs> years in the mid 50s as well. I was very athletic. Uh, Seventy. Very years talented. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's been ESPN's Bill Conley. If you guys want to find him on Twitter, it is at ESPN underscore Bill C. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for your time. We've had a wonderful time. Absolutely. Podcast Network.